Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of ventricular septal defect found under the cardiovascular section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A neonate is born to a 23-year-old mother via normal and uncomplicated spontaneous vaginal delivery. On exam, the neonatologist finds a holosystolic murmur at the lower left sternal border. Two days later, the murmur persists. The baby is sent for an echocardiogram to further evaluate the murmur. Let's continue with an introduction to ventricular septal defect. It is clinically defined as a congenital defect resulting in an opening in the interventricular septum of the heart. And in terms of the pathogenesis, a VSD causes a left-to-right shunt in the heart, which causes increased pulmonary blood flow and alterations in pulmonary vasculature. Over time, with severe defects, this eventually results in pulmonary hypertension and Eisenmenger syndrome. Conditions that are associated include Down syndrome, DeGeorge syndrome, and Turner syndrome. With regards to epidemiology, remember that this is the most common congenital cardiac defect and it is present at birth. Risk factors include family history. Moving on to the presentation, remember that neonates may be asymptomatic at birth but may develop symptoms over weeks. These may include shortness of breath, excessive fatigue, difficulty breathing or sweating during feeding, failure to thrive, and heart failure. However, some patients may also remain asymptomatic indefinitely. On exam, one will note a high-pitched and harsh holosystolic murmur. Remember that it is best heard at the left lower sternal border. The murmur decreases during valsalva and with amyl nitrate, and it increases during hand grip, squatting, and leg raise. Also remember that small defects may be louder due to higher flow across the smaller opening. In terms of further imaging, radiography is indicated as an initial test to rule out other pathologies. The specific view should be of the chest, and specific findings may include cardiomegaly and increased vascular markings. Echocardiography is indicated as a diagnostic test and is the most specific test. Specific findings would include the VSD. In terms of the differential, Make sure to think about atrial septal defect, with distinguishing factors being that if it is symptomatic, the murmur will be a wide and fixed split S2. Also think about patent ductus arteriosus, with distinguishing factors being that the murmur typically is a continuous machine-like murmur and disappears after one to two days after birth. And when making the diagnosis, remember that this is based on clinical presentation and echocardiogram. With regards to treatment, Remember that prophylaxis for infective endocarditis is not necessary, and mild defects can be left untreated. However, medical management is aimed at the complications of VSD. Medical options include palivizumab. This is indicated in infants with symptomatic VSDs for passive immunization against respiratory syncytial virus. Another option is diuretics. This is indicated if the patient develops heart failure. Another option is pulmonary vasodilators. This is indicated for patients that present with Eisenmenger syndrome. Operative options include surgical closure of the VSD. This is indicated for symptomatic patients with large defects or heart failure, as well as patients with pulmonary hypertension and patients with significant aortic insufficiency. Complications related to VSDs include increased risk for subacute infective endocarditis, heart failure, and Eisenmenger syndrome. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, Remember that most remain asymptomatic or self-resolve. However, larger defects can lead to left heart overload and heart failure. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to ventricular septal defects, 
let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 27-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for a routine exam. He currently has no acute complaints and says he is otherwise healthy. At times, he experiences palpitations and anxiety. He exercises five times a week and eats a generally healthy diet. He takes a daily multivitamin and supplemental protein powder. He previously had strep throat when he was 11 years old and was treated with oral penicillin. His father has a history of aortic stenosis that required valve replacement. His mother is otherwise healthy. Physical exam is remarkable for a 3 out of 6 holosystolic murmur that is best heard in the left mid to lower sternal border. There is an associated thrill. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Aortic stenosis. Choice 2. Atrial septal defect. Choice 3. Mitral regurgitation. Choice 4. Mitral stenosis. Or choice 5. Ventricular septal defect. The best answer to this question is... Choice 5. Ventricular septal defect. This patient is presenting with a holosystolic murmur that is best heard in the left mid to lower sternal border with an associated thrill. This is highly suggestive of a small, isolated ventricular septal defect. VSD is a common congenital heart defect that typically closes spontaneously before reaching adulthood. A small portion of pediatric patients has persistent, isolated VSD into adulthood. Symptoms associated with the isolated VSD depend on the size of the VSD. For example, a small VSD presents with a loud holosystolic murmur that is best heard in the left mid to lower sternal border and may be associated with the thrill in the third or fourth left intercostal space. This small VSD creates a small left to right shunt that is asymptomatic and does not alter pulmonary vascular resistance significantly. Patients with suspected VSD should initially undergo an electrocardiogram as it serves as a baseline for follow-up comparison and can suggest if there is evidence of atrial or ventricular hypertrophy or enlargement. A transthoracic echocardiogram is vital for making the diagnosis, as it not only visualizes the septal defect, but also evaluates for the hemodynamic burden of the shunt and associated congenital defects. Adults with small VSDs who are asymptomatic and have normal pulmonary artery pressures generally do not need treatment and should be periodically followed. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Aortic stenosis is a type of valvular disease that causes narrowing of the aortic valve. Patients typically present with syncopal episodes, angina, and dyspnea. Cardiac auscultation demonstrates a crescendo-decrescendo systolic murmur that is loudest at the heart base and may radiate to the carotids. Choice 2. Atrial septal defect is a congenital heart defect that creates a shunt between the right and left atrium. Cardiac auscultation demonstrates a mid-systolic murmur with a widely split and fixed S2. Choice 3. Mitral regurgitation is a type of valvular disease caused by mitral valve incompetence. Cardiac auscultation demonstrates a holosystolic, high-pitched, blowing murmur that is loudest at the apex and radiates towards the axilla. Choice 4. Mitral stenosis is a type of valvular disease that causes narrowing of the mitral valve. It is often a sequela of rheumatic fever caused by beta-hemolytic group A streptococci. Cardiac auscultation demonstrates an opening snap with a delayed mid-to-late diastolic rumbling murmur heard at the apex. Finally, a bullet summary. 
A small, isolated ventricular septal defect results in a holosystolic murmur that is best heard in the left mid to lower sternal border. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 76-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician for follow-up three days after a recent myocardial infarction. She reports mild shortness of breath on exertion, but denies any other symptoms. She has a history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, and diabetes mellitus type 2. Her temperature is 36.8 degrees Celsius, or 98.2 degrees Fahrenheit. Blood pressure is 136 over 85. Pulse is 86 beats per minute, and respirations are 12 breaths per minute. Her physical exam is notable for a new, harsh, holosystolic murmur best heard along the lower left sternal border. Additional right heart catheterization reveals a right ventricle pressure of 35 over 10, an oxygen saturation of 70% in the right atrium, and oxygen saturation of 88% in the right ventricle. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are... Choice 1, aortic stenosis. Choice 2, atrial septal defect. Choice 3, mitral valve regurgitation. Choice 4, ventricular free wall rupture. Or choice 5, ventricular septal defect. The best answer to this question is, choice 5, ventricular septal defect. This patient's new harsh holosystolic murmur best heard along the lower left sternal border recent myocardial infarction, and right heart catheterization demonstrating increased right ventricle pressure and oxygen saturation are most consistent with ventricular septal defect. Ventricular septal defect is occasionally a complication after myocardial infarction that typically develops three to five days after myocardial infarction when macrophage-mediated structural degradation leads to rupture of the interventricular septum. Clinically, patients may be hemodynamically stable, with the new, harsh, holosystolic murmur and findings on routine echocardiography as the only clues to this diagnosis. Other patients may present with cardiogenic shock, which manifests as hypotension, cold and clammy extremities, oliguria, and pulmonary edema. Physical exam may show harsh-sounding holosystolic murmur best heard at the left lower sternal border and signs of right-sided volume overload, such as pedal edema or elevated jugular venous pressure. Additional testing would reveal elevated right-sided pressures as well as a step-up in oxygenation in the right ventricle as compared to the right atrium due to the shunting of oxygenated blood from the left ventricle into the right ventricle during systole. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Aortic stenosis is associated with a crescendo-decrescendo systolic ejection murmur best heard at the right upper sternal border with radiation to the carotids. Common symptoms are syncope, angina, and dyspnea on exertion. The most common cause is age-related calcification in older patients or younger patients who have early onset calcification of bicuspid aortic valves. Choice 2. Atrial septal defect would manifest on physical exam as a loud S1 with wide and fixed split S2, best heard at the upper left sternal border. Right-sided pressures would be elevated, but oxygenation in the right atrium would be more elevated than the case presented here during the shunting from the left atrium. Choice 3. Mitral valve regurgitation after myocardial infarction is often a result of papillary muscle rupture, which typically occurs 2-7 to seven days after myocardial infarction. It can result in a holosystolic murmur, but would not have findings of increased right-sided pressures or increased oxygenation of the right ventricle as compared to the right atrium. Choice 4. 
Ventricular free wall rupture is a complication that occurs 5 to 14 days after myocardial infarction and manifests as cardiac tamponade with hypotension, tachycardia, tachypnea, jugular venous distension, and distant heart sounds. This patient presents without signs of cardiac tamponade. The findings of holosystolic murmur at the lower left sternal border, elevated right-sided pressures, and increased oxygenation of the right ventricle as compared to the right atrium correspond to the left-to-right shunting of a ventricular septal defect rather than a free wall rupture. Finally, a bullet summary. Ventricular septal defect is a complication that can occur 3-5 to days after myocardial infarction, manifesting as a harsh holosystolic murmur at the left sternal border, increased right-sided pressures, and increased oxygenation in the right ventricle as compared to the right atrium. That's all for this review about ventricular septal defect. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.